the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Lori Steele, and this is a special episode of The Gifted Life with a special guest host. How do you like that, Chuck Stinson? I love that. <laughs> Chuck is with Mora, the Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency. What do you do there? I am the Director of Community Services and Relations. I've been with the agency for about 10 years now and love this job. And Chuck is just one of our partners when it comes to making life happen. Thanks for teaming up with us. Just to let everyone know, uh, Chuck and I want you to know that we are recording this episode during the coronavirus pandemic and being socially responsible by recording very remotely. Right, Chuck? Not six feet away, two states away. I think that should cover it. We are so safe. That's what that means. <laughs> so if our sound quality is a little off, we do apologize. Uh, but we are grateful that we have this technology in place so we can continue to share the importance of organ, eye, and tissue donation and transplantation. So, Chuck, what do we have planned for them today? Lori, on this episode, a very special episode, especially to those of us here at the Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency, we're talking to David Wilbanks the father of Walker Wilbanks, who was a multiple organ donor in 2014. David was initially against donation until he found out his son had already made the decision. Wow. Already have chills here. You ready, Chuck? I'm ready. I'm ready to get into this. Here we go. David, thank you for taking time to be with us on the Gifted Life podcast today. Your story is so unique and um, so incredible uh, to to the world of organ donation and to transplantation and lives saved and legacies that we've talked about numerous times about Walker. Give us a little bit of information. Tell us Walker's story a little bit about who he was as a young man growing up. Well, Walker was a, was a special young man very caring, giving young man, very selfless. Uh, he never really thought too much of himself, thought a lot of others. And Walker was a uh, was a high school student at Jackson Prep. At the time of his uh, accident, he was playing football at Jackson Prep on a uh, Friday night. It was August 22nd in 2014, a very hot day. Uh, but a very memorial day uh, from a standpoint that Jackson Prep at that time was ranked number one in the state in the uh, private school sector. And then Oxford High School, a uh, 5A school in uh, Oxford, Mississippi, was ranked number one in the public school rankings. And they were playing first game of the season. So uh, Walker was a junior with a lot of anticipation that season, wanting to be, make sure that he was going to start in that game. And he had uh, won the starting role with defensive tackle and uh, was very excited that he was getting to play starting his first football game as a uh, prep Patriot, especially playing Oxford. So uh, that night, very, very good game. Oxford did come out victorious. I believe they won 28-21 to in that game. But at halftime, Walker went into the uh, locker room, and and when he uh, came back out, he had a cramp in his calf. And uh, Coach Black put him on the bench, and – of course, when he was on the bench, I was running to get him some Gatorades to drink. And the doctor 
called me over to the uh, sideline and said, you know, Walker's complaining of a headache. And uh, if it persists, I don't think we maybe need to go to the hospital and just have him checked out. So I guess it was about 10 minutes more went through the game. And uh, sure enough, the doctor came and got me and said, let's just go ahead and take him to the hospital. And so he didn't feel like we needed an ambulance, so we put him in my wife's car and took him to uh, to Baptist Hospital here in Jackson. And to kind of make it the story goes faster, as we got him into his room when we got to the hospital, he basically uh, he had a he had a brain stroke, and they uh, ruled it hyponatremia. And that Friday night that he passed. We put him on life support, and he was on life support till the following Monday, uh, which Chuck knows, and and that that three days that Walker was on life support was just huge in the city of Jackson. You had schools, Jackson Academy, Massachusetts Central, and of course Jackson Prep and schools. These kids were praying for Walker. At one time, the Mississippi Baptist Hospital. Security came and got me and said, look, we've got over 500 kids in this parking lot. Y'all have got to make some kind of announcement or do something. We can't have as many people here. And with the help of uh, some of my doctor friends, they felt like maybe at this time, Walker Swelling's brain was going down so that we moved him to University Hospital, that they were better suited to treat him. And we did that Saturday afternoon. We did move him. And during the course of that Saturday evening through Monday at lunch, the same thing was happening again. These kids were coming, and our friends, I mean, like, again, they were praying for Walker. And they, on that Sunday, they would allow us to have visitors come in to see Walker, and there were kids praying over Walker. And just a, just just was unbelievable. So on that Monday, there's a certain test they have to do. On, there was a doctor that was that would need to do a certain test on Walker to, to, to see if he was brain dead or not. And that doctor was out of town the whole weekend. He came back in town on Monday. And, at lunch, he performed the test, and Sheila and I were waiting in his office for him. He walked down the hall to the test, came back, and he sat down there and said, yes, you know, Walker is brain dead. And, of course, Sheila and I, we felt like that was where this was leading, but it just it finally sunk in. And un- I thought this woman that was in a room with us was actually a nurse, but she was actually a care worker with Mississippi Organ Recovery. And... She looked at Sheila and I, and she said, have y'all ever, would y'all consider donating Walker, Walker's organs? And this is where the story, this is where this whole story starts. And this is what's going to explain what kind of kid Walker was. I sat there, and I looked, my first answer was, I do not want anybody to cut my baby open. And y'all got to, y'all bear with me. Yeah. So Sheila looked at me, and she says, no, Walker wanted to be an organ donor. I said, do what? She said, yeah, Walker told me he wanted to be an organ donor. I said, I've never heard this. When did this happen? She said, probably a year ago, a year ago summer when he got his uh, driver's license. I was cooking dinner one night, and he was sitting there looking at his license. He said, Mom, I want to be an organ donor. I I thought I checked the box. It's not on my driver's license. And she would just kind of listen to him. She said, okay. He says, no, Mom, I want to be an organ donor. And he looked at her and said, Mom, aren't you an organ donor? She says, no. He said, well, Mom, if something ever happens to me, you make sure my organs are donated. It'd be silly not to, and you need to be an organ donor. And, of course, Sheila sat there and uh, said, well, Walker, I don't, this is not something I really want to talk about right now. <laughs> she said, no, 
Walker Walker Luther says, no, Mom, please make sure I'm the organ governor. And almost a year to that time, we're faced with a decision to donate Walker's organs. Well, it wasn't our decision now. Walker had already made that decision to be an organ donor. And I don't, it's, with Maura and Chuck and I, as I've told the story, we wouldn't be where we are right now if it had not been for that conversation that Walker had that night with his mom. David, I appreciate you taking the time to to share this story. I'm I'm having chills um, on this side listening to you and listening to the the turn of events. Um, Walker, uh, positive impact on our world, not only through donation, but in the communities that we continue to see this ripple effect. Uh, but as you were talking, I go out into the community. We do presentations. How did Walker learn about donation? Uh, did was it at the driver's license place when he first? Uh, went to get his license? Was it a school presentation? Do we even know? We don't know. I can only, you know, knowing my son, the only thing I can think of is that when he went to get his driver's license, that he probably was sitting, you know, in, in Mississippi, when you go to get a driver's license, it can take you an hour, it can take you six hours to get one. I've just got a feeling he was sitting in line reading every little bit of information that was on the walls or so forth, and uh, he saw that. I don't think, I don't, I don't know of anything that ever happened at school or some kind of you know event that he saw that uh, that, that brought brought attention to it. David, when when all this was kind of unfolding in front of you, you even went to the kids that were part of his core group too and talked to them about that, didn't you? You said there's an opportunity here, and you consulted with his friends. Isn't that true? Yes, it is. It is. We talked about it, and they all you know there was a core group of boys that were his best friends and uh, eventually became his Paul Pierce also, but we talked about it and they all told me, you know, you know, Walker would want this, this would be, this is definitely the decision that he would, he would want y'all to do. And, and, uh, and he would be proud for it. David, I love uh, listening to you talk about Walker. I can hear the love. I can hear the passion um, in your voice and, and we're all about learning here. So when you weren't for donation, was there like a, a certain myth that you believe that has now been dispelled or uh, was that, was there a reason why? Well, I didn't, re- I didn't realize, you know, when, when Walker passed, there was, it was you know, you, you're, you're in a, you're in a fog that whole week, two weeks, three weeks after. And, you know, the, the organ donation thing really didn't, didn't sink in. Uh, you know, my wife and I talked about it a couple of weeks after, you know, kind of curious, I wonder where, you know, who got saved kind of thing, but we could, it was just conversation. And there was an event that happened. Uh, I guess Chuck, it was like, it's, it's one of his, the wall of heroes yep. at a university hospital that happened probably two months, three months after Walker passed. And I was sitting there talking to Chuck and in just general conversation with Chuck, you know, I said, you know, this is pretty cool. Did y'all have this? And Walker gets this picture on this wall with other organ donors that people can see. I said, I'm, I'm proud of him. She, and, and Chuck looked at me and says, David, you don't realize what Walker has done. And I was like, what do you mean? He says, he, had, he didn't just save five lives. He saved five families. He, he saved communities. Mm. He, he let people know that prayer does work. And I kind of sat back and started thinking about it. And when Sheila and I got in the car that day, I told Sheila, I said, you know, I've always said I, if there was anything that we could do to make this positive for Walker, 
I would do it. And I said, you know, I think we need to get more involved with more. And from that day on that Chuck and I had that conversation, it, it really did hit me because I am a man of faith. And I, it made me realize that day that there were five communities, five probably five churches in our areas that were praying for these people to get an organ. And they saw that prayer works. I mean, people... Mm. I'm, I'm going back to when, when Walker passed, there were there were prayer meetings and, and vigils that kids were accepting Christ because of Walker's death. It made them realize that they were, you know, they they better get themselves right. And 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 Chuck and I talked like it's the ripple effect. When you throw that rock in the water, the ripples start going out. And as we get to this interview, I've got I've got stories about how the ripples are keeping on going today. So yes, there were the, the event that we had at University Hospital when Walker's picture was put on the wall of heroes. That was that's what put me into this uh, this this role of trying to be an ambassador for more. David, uh, and, and an ambassador you've been, and there's more to this story too that we'll get into, especially with uh, one of the recipients, uh, Sarah, in Mobile, Alabama, that I want uh, we certainly want to share and how that connection has been made with your family. But I do want to circle back for a second on Sheila's involvement in this, the mama, the mama mm-hmm. who spoke up at that moment and how impactful and how mm-hmm. important that was, not only to your family and to Walker's legacy, but to those waiting. And and have you and Sheila talked about that privately at any point? Not that you, you would want to share anything privately, but maybe some public thoughts that, that she would be okay with sharing. Well, I mean, the thing about that conversation that she had I mean, we knew that God was getting us that, that that conversation happened because God was getting us ready. Mm. We didn't know it, but God was getting us ready to to make that decision. Because again, I couldn't have made that decision unless Walker had made it, unless God and Walker had made it. And God put it on Walker's heart that summer night in 2013 to make that decision. Now, you know, as a mama and, and Chuck, you know Sheila very well. You know, that was definitely a conversation she didn't want to talk about. I mean, no no parent wants to talk with their child about possible death. But, yeah. I mean, that was a guy thing. There's there's no no doubt about it. Wow. I just love this story, uh, David. And, and, and again, taking the thank you for taking the time to, to share with us. Absolutely. Um, so we keep talking about Walker's legacy, the impact that he has made. Um, recipients, you guys reached out. Have you met? Thoughts? We have we 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 received after Walker passed. We received a letter from the uh, I guess it was the sister or mom of the one recipient, which was a uh, at that time was a 55 year old man in Florida, and then we through Facebook found out who the uh, liver recipient was in Georgia at that time. He's a 45 year old man at that time. But the, the, we have not we have not heard from the heart recipient or had contacted. And the heart recipient was a 14-year-old boy from Louisiana that received his heart. And I'm going to tell a quick story that I think is that I think Walker would think was cool. Talking with Chuck that day at University Hospital, and I guess I, I, we found out. I don't know how the conversation. That's been five years ago. But anyway, that's when we found out as a 14-year-old boy. No, excuse me. Let me go back. We met. We met 
one of the doctors who who uh, who was involved in, in, in removing Walter's organs for the donations. And but I asked him about the heart, and he said I did not do the heart. He said the doctor from Little Rock, Arkansas, flew in here and took Walker's heart, removed Walker's heart, and took it with him back to Arkansas. And I said well, I thought a boy from Louisiana got. He said he did. The boy from Louisiana had to come to Arkansas. And I said how did how did that all happen? He said it happened by helicopter. And I said Walker thinks that's pretty cool. He got to fly in a helicopter to Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> that night, but I was flying to heaven. He went to Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> so I just, I, I never, you know, that that night, it's like we got a call, and I'm, I know I'm skipping around, but we got a call from the uh, nurse at university. I guess it was about 11:30 on on August 25th that Monday night when all the procedures for removing Walker's organs had been done, and it was like 11, 11:30. In my mind, I can just think, you know. There goes Walker in that helicopter taking off from the university at midnight on August 25th, going into the morning of the 26th, flying to Arkansas. I just thought that was, in my mind, was pretty cool. But I would say I would love, Sheila and I, had, we have not found the way to do it or the words to write a letter to try to meet the heart recipient, but we're, it is, it's on our list to do. But the one that, the, the one that we met that has really, has really just been amazing is uh, Sarah Thornberry. She's from uh, the Gulf Shores, Alabama area. And she got Walker's pancreas and right kidney. And Sarah, at the time, was a 32-year-old mom. They, she had, uh, her and her husband, Donald, had, a, had two kids, both adopted. At that time, one of them was a, oh, close to right at one years old, and the other was right at two and a half years old. And Sarah was a, a type 1 diabetic she had chronic kidney disease, hypertension. She was on dialysis. I mean, she was basically, she was dying. And these adoptions, adopting these kids, people in her community and the church are like, are you sure this is what y'all need to do? And her and Donald were very strong in faith, said, no, God's got a plan. We're going to adopt these kids. And they did. So we did get a letter from her and uh, thanking us and, you know, it was a, it was a very that letter right there was a was a was tough to read from a standpoint. The way she wrote it was so sweet. I mean, she she said, "I'm sitting here on my bed writing this, so thankful for Walk for for the or she didn't know it was Walker. Well, let me rephrase. She didn't know it was Walker, but I'll get to that in a second. But she was saying how it was bittersweet. Here she is. She her life has been saved, but we had lost our loved one, and it just she just did a beautiful job of thanking us. For, for the decision that Walker had made. But, so Walker was a baseball player, and Walker played baseball with some really good guys at Jackson Prep. Uh, one of them was Jake Mangum, which Jake went on to play at Mississippi State. Now he's playing with the New York Mets. Well, Jake's grandmother was down in Gulf Shores at a store that Sarah's mom worked at, worked at. and this was in January of 2015. And they got into a conversation because Jake's grandmother commented on a jacket or some, or sweater or something that Sarah's mom had on in the store. And she said, where'd you get that? She said, well, I bought it at a little store in Jackson, Mississippi. She said, oh, really? I'm from Jackson. Where were you in Jackson? She said, my daughter was getting a organ donation back last August. And Jake's mom just stopped and said, do what? She said, when were you all there? She said, we were there on August 25th getting a uh, kidney and pancreas. 
And she says, that would have been Walker. And Sarah's mom, they, they, let me go back. Sarah's mom and family were here when Sarah got Walker's organs. They were watching the TV that morning. I mean, because this was a hall hope for the news. They knew who the, who the, whose organ they were getting. So they started talking and put two and two together. And I was at a uh, prep. When the prep season started, I didn't miss a game that season. I was at every game. The, the boys were taking Walker's jersey with them every game, hanging it up in the dugout. Just, I mean, they had 22 on Walker's baseball number was 22. They had it on the side of his hat. I mean, it was just they they were really giving Walker the treatment and remembering him. But uh, Jake's mother came up to me and said, I got something I want to talk to you about. She says, I know who got Walker's pancreas and, and kidney. She said, do you want to know? I said, oh, absolutely. She showed me a picture of, of Sarah that they, because Sarah's mom had become Facebook friends with her. So I went home and told so she, look where she was like, I wish I'd been there. I wish, you know, so if any, any, if any mom and dad would do, we started Facebook, Facebook stalking. So we, we found Sarah and her husband on Facebook and so forth. But, but. Fast forward, I guess it would have been the balloon release in that spring, Chuck. Yep. That that we, I guess through Mora, they we invited Sarah's uh, husband and her and her mom and the two kids were invited to that event. We had never met them before, and I, so we're sitting there in that room. It's this big room at University Hospital that we're all in. They're starting the ceremony, but it had not quite started. And Sheila and I were sitting at a table waiting because, you know, we had seen some pictures of Sarah, but, you know, we just hadn't, hadn't seen her in person. And we didn't think they had gotten there yet. Unbeknownst, they had already gotten there. We're sitting on the other side of the room. And there were kids running around the room and so forth. But Sarah's little girl somehow got away from Sarah's mom, Sarah and her mom and Donald, and ended up at our table, came straight to us. <laughs> and she was like, well, who are you know, talk, trying to talk to her? And then all of a sudden, here appears Sarah, and it's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, when I, excuse me, it's like when I hugged Sarah, it's like my boy was there. So it was, it was a very emotional meeting. And since then, Donald and Sarah. In interjecting here a little bit, uh, also David has had Sarah come to Jackson Prep to speak, and, and we had a chance to meet her as well. And one of the things that we learned during that conversation was that prior to receiving Walker's kidney and pancreas, that she had actually coded three times before. Wow. And it's a, it's an incredible story of how these families have bonded and even gone uh, probably a step further than most donor family recipients stories would go. Um, David, why don't you talk a little bit about the new addition to their life and, and how Walker is honored uh, through that family? Well, it's been, I guess, now about a year and a half ago. Well, it would have been, it would have been two years ago, Sarah and Donald were approached about adopting a third child. There was a, uh, a, a mom, a lady who was pregnant in the area, uh, was not married and didn't feel like she could take care of the baby. 
when she had it and uh, was at the, the Thornberrys were asked if they would be interested in adopting that baby. And Sarah and Donald prayed about it and talked about it, and they then made the decision to adopt this child. And when the child was born, they uh, they took custody of the child about a week, about three or four days after it was born. And finally, I think it took about six months to get full custody, uh, all the paperwork done. And they had a baby dedication for this baby and go short on a Saturday afternoon that a couple of weeks before Sarah called Sheila and wanted to know if Sheila and I would be the godparents Aww. to this third adopted child. Wow. And of course we, we said, yes, we would. And Sarah then told Sheila says, well, the other part we want to ask is we want to name the baby after Walker. Oh my goodness. And, and they named the little boy, Walker Wilbanks Thornberry, and he goes by the name Banks. Oh my goodness! And to go another step further, yeah, not know we <laughs> the child before we didn't realize until we saw the picture. Walker was a redhead. Well, Banks oh, was a redhead. Yeah. <laughs> so Sheila and I drove down to Gulf Shores. I think that was November uh, year before last. That was November of eighteen. I get my dates messed up. I'm sorry. But anyway, Sheila and I go down to Gulf Shores. We got to then, we'd already met uh, Sarah's parents, but we got to meet Donald's parents, all their friends from church. And they had the baby dedication for a Banks. And we got we got to hold Banks, got our picture made with Banks. And since then, we've seen them again and uh, and had visited with them. But we are now the godparents to uh, Banks Thornberry. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I sit here. I always pull up the pictures of the families that um, we're talking with on the podcast. And I was looking at Walker, just just a, a strong presence to me. But I can feel the love you had for this child. It's warm and fuzzy. And I appreciate you working to keep his, his legacy going. Absolutely. I mean, that was that's a, you know, it, it's just it, it amazes me to see how much Walker changed so many lives. And again, you know, Chuck, Chuck knows Walker just through the stories and the community, what people tell him, but Walker wasn't the kind of kid that he'd want all this attention. <laughs> it, just, it, it just wasn't his person. It wasn't his personality. You know, Lori, I, I think one of the interesting things about this job that we do is it, and David just said it, I was going to follow up is that, that we, don't know these people sometimes prior to getting to know their families after they've been mm-hmm. donors, but we come to know them. I feel like I knew Walker Wilbanks for his entire life. Uh, I feel like I've known <laughs> right. a lot of these people because of the stories and because of the connection we have with the donor family. My favorite part, my favorite part, and as uh, we have the honor and the privilege of really becoming like family um, and it's just the best part uh, of the job is watching um, you guys light up because some of our um, parents will come in front of a classroom and they said, Oh, I just don't think I did a great job. And all of us are saying, Oh my gosh, you lit up talking about your, and I could hear it, David, I can hear it. And I just imagine you out, um, you know, spreading the word, which is amazing. And I love um, all of these things that the schools are doing scholarships, uh, garden of hope, all, all these wonderful things. And everyone's going to remember that, that redheaded strong presence. I just love it. Well, it, it, you know, it, it, I'm just sitting here in my office right now, looking out the window in the back of my truck and the guys that work for me here. When Walker passed, uh, 
one of the one of his friends, also a baseball player, Gene Wood, who plays at TCU right now, had I don't know where he got them made, but he has stickers made that says sixty five twenty two on them, and sixty five was his football number, twenty two his baseball number. I mean, there's still this time cars riding around Jackson that have that sixty five twenty two sticker on the back mm-hmm. of it, and. I'll pull up beside them and and I'll look over and not even know who that adult is or that child is or student is that's got that sticker. But, you know, it just gets me chills to think they're still remembering Walker, you know, five and a half years later. I mean, it's just amazing. And we love that you let us share his story. It's amazing. David, it's it's always uh, a pleasure to talk to you. You and I have had many conversations on the phone, in person, some emotional, some We've shared a few laughs. Uh, it is uh, an honor to share Walker's story. It is an honor to work with you and Sheila time and time again to tell Walker's story because, as you know, if we's, we've experienced that we, it's our job to keep his legacy going. It's our job to keep the legacy of what he did. And I think you put it best in one of the videos that we are able to shoot with you, and that is, uh, I, I like the way you put it, that he was – 17 years old he did more in his 17 years than i'd done in my 52 mm. years i love that he did do more seven he did do more 17 years with it and that's you know his story i i i have to really sometimes i think i've told you this before you know i don't want i want walker's story to be one that is if anything is uh, is educational it it his story makes dinner time conversation you know, come up about organ donation, not, not awkward, you know, when families talk about it, because I want to make sure that, that keeping, by keeping a story alive, we're letting people know, Hey, organ donation does matter. It does change lives, but it changes families and it changes communities. And I always want to be aware that I don't want to, I don't want to people think that I'm bragging about my son. I just want them Mm -hmm. to know what his story was. David, we've got opportunities for people to see more on our Donate Life Mississippi YouTube page about Walker. Uh, Actually, you're in a featured video that we have at the top of the page on the Donate Life Mississippi YouTube page. And then there's a story we did for Racing for Donation last year, uh, an event that unfortunately because of the COVID-19 virus we're going to have to cancel this year. But last year there was a little video done where you and Sheila share your story. And then we've also got local stories uh, on a visit with Miss Mississippi that you can find at uh, WLBT.com and WLOX.com and plenty of stories on the Clarion Ledger, too. Um, I mean, it, it's it's um, it's an incredible story. It is it is amazing all the pieces of this that came together and how they've come together uh, to keep Walker's legacy alive and how the decision was made, which has always been incredible to me that 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 child brought this to your family before anybody mm-hmm. ever thought anything about it and that and that you fulfilled and carried out his wishes to to help others oh i mean it, it is huge i mean i gotta say one thing you know interjecting this walker's memory and legacy has as much to do with walkers it does as friends and and sheila and i's friends i mean also the support that we've had from our community the jackson prep community the jackson community even the jackson academy school that community everybody everybody put down put down the rivalries and 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 that kind of thing between schools and community and came together when this happened and even still to this time still come together about it and you know, that just, number one, that makes me proud of my son. 
it, it lets me know that that at least some of the stuff that she and I were trying to teach them did take. <laughs> so it does make me happy about that. But it just I'm proud to say that we've got a base of, of, of church family, school school family, and other school families that have really helped us keep Walker's memory alive because. You know, something, things we can talk about. There's scholarships that are out there right now that if it hadn't been for the prep family, our church family, and our community would never be there because of their donations to it. I love it. I can feel your pride. I can feel your passion. I can feel your love for your son. Thank you for sharing his story. Thanks for all you do and will continue to do. Chuck, thanks for bringing that to the table. Guys, we'll have more of the Gifted Life podcast after this. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today's hero comes to us from our Mississippi partner, Mora. Our hero is Walker Wilbanks. In August of 2014, Walker Wilbanks was on the football field in the first game of the year for Jackson Prep. Walker started having severe headaches. In mid-game, his dad took him to a local hospital for examination. He suffered a severe sodium deficiency known as hyponatremia that caused water to build up on his brain. The Wilbanks family was soon faced with the question of donating their son's organs. Initially, David Wilbanks, Walker's dad, did not want to donate Walker's organs, and he expressed that to a family care specialist or Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency. Walker's mom, Sheila, then relayed the story that a year earlier, Walker had told his mom he was going to sign up as an organ donor, ask if she was registered, and if she wasn't, why not? Because of that conversation, Five lives were saved through six organs being transplanted. David and Sheila have become big advocates for donation. They have created scholarship funds at Walker's alma mater, Jackson Preparatory School, that goes to an up-and-coming junior to help with their tuition at the school, and one with the Mississippi Organ Recovery Agency that is awarded to a senior in any school across the state. Both scholarships are valued at twenty-two sixty-five. And those numbers are significant because those are the numbers Walker wore in baseball and football. If you'd like to find out more about the scholarship offered by Mora, go to msora.org. And now we pause and say thank you to Walker Wilbanks for the gift of life. In our question and answer segment today, Chuck, this one's for you. It comes from a very special listener, me. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I did hear, uh, Chuck, that Mississippi was the first state to fully move to the National Donor Registry. So I'm just curious, has that changed the way you ask people to join? Can they still sign up when they get their license? How does that work? No, it hasn't really changed anything at all. The National Registry is just our full donor registry base now and people can still sign up when they do their license in fact it still remains uh, the biggest way that people sign up to our donor registry over 98 percent of mississippians have registered through the department of public safety here in the state and we think and hope that that will continue because of their access to people but it really hasn't changed anything at all in terms of questioning we just have a different web address to direct people to Thanks, Chuck. I like that. That's incredible. Um, We always promote that registry here, the National Registry, which is registerme.org, a one-stop shop. We want to hear from you. Maybe you have a question, info at thegiftedlife.org. You can also give us a call, 504-648-3477. You may even play your audio on the podcast. 
And that'll do it for this episode of The Gifted Life. Pretty powerful, Chuck. Very powerful. And, and, you know, Lori, we had a chance to talk to David a little bit more off off mic. And one of the interesting things that he said was he wants to he really wants to eventually meet Walker's heart recipient. And, and he has two questions that he wants answered. One, is the person doing OK? Is the recipient doing OK? And secondly, does he like sweet tea? Yes, because dad said Walker loved sweet tea. <laughs> and that's it. That's all he wants to know. And and that's David's concern for that person is is immense. I mean, he he knows how important that story is to his family as well. And he got so emotional um, talking about his son, talking about the sweet tea. Even I just appreciate his honesty that he wants to use Walker's story to help make life happen. Um, it was just a, a great visit uh, with what felt like a friend. Yeah, yeah, always. And he has become a dear friend. And and as we said. Uh, earlier, you know, you get to know these donor families, but you also get to know the donor, even though you did not maybe know them before they were ever a donor. Yeah. So families, we appreciate you guys uh, sharing your loved ones with us. Now, the best place to find this podcast, guys, thegiftedlife.org. We are a team. Um, Our hope is that you continue to help us spread the word. It's about education. It's about learning. It's about making life happen. Um, So you can listen there, thegiftedlife.org. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, just about anywhere. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating. It really helps others to find the podcast. And if if I could, Lori, I'd give you a six-star rating, but that's not (gasps) allowed. Chuck, is it because you're on the podcast today? Well, I wouldn't give myself a six-star rating. I'd give you a six-star rating. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate you guys partnering up with us. Uh, We always love to learn from one another, hear these stories. It's just amazing. Um, On social media, guys, like our page on Facebook, The Gifted Life Podcast, and follow us on both Twitter and Instagram, at Gifted Life Pod. Chuck, it was a pleasure. It was a great pleasure. So I'm so thankful for the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We're a team. We want you to go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Until next time. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. Troy Perez.